Hi everyone, Jamie here from Batball Podcast and this short segment I'm going to talk to you about is about your garage doors. Now, this sponsored segment is one of the new segments we're going to be doing so that you don't have to listen to it in video, it'll be at the start before the episode. And um, today we're going to be talking a little bit about your garage doors. Your garage doors are happy to sponsor the Batball Podcast. They supply, install and maintain all forms of domestic garage doors. And even better, they offer free quotation service and have a showroom available in Long Eaton. Perfect for all my people living in uh, Nottingham, living local. Uh, I will leave there. Uh, if you want to get in contact with them, you can either message me, Jay Martin, on Facebook and I'll give you theirs. Or you can call 0800 772 So you can call them on that 0800 772 So get in contact with your garage doors, guys. And uh, I'll speak to you very soon. Enjoy the episode. Hello there, everybody. Jamie here from the Batball Podcast. And today we are here for episode 35. Uh, let me just double check it is episode 35 because uh, I'm losing track of it all at the moment with what's going on. Too much stuff to think about, I think. So, um, but before I kind of talk about today's episode, don't forget to, you know, take a look at the segment that we've just mentioned if you're interested in the service that your garage doors provide. So, Episode 35. Today, I'm joined by Steve Carr. Now, I think I'm, I'm going to ask Steve um, to tell you guys a little bit about him, um, because I think today's episode is going to be really, really interesting because we've interviewed um, the likes of Councillor Richard R- McRae. Um, we've interviewed Anna Subri, former Conservative and MP. Um, and we've interviewed the likes of Greg Marshall. And today we've got a Liberal Democrat. So, Steve, how are you doing? I'm fine. Right, very, very busy. It's been a very busy few months, to say the least, as a, a local councillor. Yeah. Mm. So tell us, so for my guests that don't know you, because obviously I've known you for uh, probably a few months now, if that, um, tell them a little bit about what, what you kind of do. Right. Uh, well, uh, at the moment, I'm, well, I have been for 18 years now, a borough councillor of Eastern North. Mm-hmm. Uh, two years later, I was elected as the county councillor for Beeston North, but after um, boundary changes, that turned into Bramcote and Beeston North. And uh, I'm currently deputy leader of Broxstow Borough Council. Amazing. So, so what is that like being a councillor? Because obviously I spoke to Richard and, and he obviously really enjoys what he does. Yeah. What, what is it like being a councillor for you? Um, I enjoy it. I always have enjoyed it. I, I, I like helping people. Mm. Uh, I think it's important that you're as close to your community as possible. I live in Beeston North, so I actually represent the area where I live, which I think, uh, again, is a, a, an added bonus if you're a councillor, you actually live where you were a councillor for. Mm. And uh, I, I, I just find it, sometimes I find it difficult. I don't always like the part of politics that goes off. But having said that, at the same time, uh, behind the scenes, I'm helping people with their issues and their problems and their worries, and I, I do enjoy that. Hmm. It is, I think it's definitely important to be passionate about what you do, because, you know, you can't just be a councillor if, you know, you don't really care for the local area. You've got to know the local area, and actually yeah. you live in the local area, so that's perfect. So you say you've been doing borough for 18 years and county for 16 years. What's kind of the difference between them? The, the borough and the county look after different things. So the borough council is like, if you like, the next 
tier down from county councils. Um, so the borough looks after things like um, collecting waste, planning, uh, community safety, uh, all those sorts of things. Uh, the county council, which is one above that, looks after social services, public health, education, or that's diminished because most schools now are academies, aren't, so aren't looked after by the county council. Mm. So there, there, there are two uh, distinct um, differences uh, between the two. Now, some people uh, want the councils to be one, uh, what they call unitary authority. So I actually think that takes away from um, being real up close uh, to the communities that you represent. I, I don't think that uh, a council consisting of nearly 900,000 900, people would be at all responsive uh, to the people it, it represents. So I'm actually against uh, unitary authority for Nottinghamshire. So is this something that is on the cards or has it just been spoke about? It's something that the, the ruling group at the county hall have been uh, throwing about for a few years and spent a lot of money on. Uh, but um, the government have ruled it out for now. Good. That's I, I would I would agree with you on that one because I think that's like, a lot of people just to have to you know I, I don't know like capacity wise it would it be possible to to actually respond to them all and you know well geographically it would go from nearly about four miles from Doncaster to about two miles from Loughborough. Wow. So you know it's. Uh, it's it's a money saving, but I don't think there are any savings there to be had. Mm. How often are we told that you know you combine something it'll save you money? And the reality is, it sometimes costs you more than what you thought you were going to save. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's well, it's good that they've ruled that out. But it's so being a councillor, as you said, you've you've had nearly twenty years experience in it, um, and I hear that there is local elections around the corner. Is this true? Uh, this county council election on May the 6th. So that's not for borough councils, that's just for, I, I'm up for election in Brankett and Beeston North as a county councillor. Yeah. So that's the whole of Nottinghamshire area. 66 mm. councillors are all up for election at the same time. Right. So what's so how does it feel going into election day? Because it must be quite nerve wracking, you know, it's because obviously you enjoy what you do. What's it like? Since I was 20. So. That's the nine years. So um, I, I still find it exciting, though. Um, mm. Sometimes I dislike it intensely. Uh, but uh, now I like it. I, I, I look forward to meeting everybody in the doorstep. It's, um, it's like meeting old friends. We've, we've just been told, actually, that we didn't think we were going to be able to knock on people's doors this mm. time because of uh, the pandemic. And that might still be the case. But the latest government guidance is that after March the 29th I will be able to go around and knock on people's doors on my own um, socially distanced and with PPE mm. uh, so you know I'm, I'm looking forward to be able to see a lot of people that I've not seen for nearly a year and mm. um, you know I've spoken to lots of people on the phone but sometimes it's not the same as seeing people face to face especially when you've known them for so long definitely it will, it will never be the same like me talking to you now you know preferably I would say, right, we've got the studio. I spent loads of money on it and I had about three or four episodes in there and it was never used. You know, preferably we'd do that. And, you know, even when you speak to someone on the doorstep, you've still got a mask on, you've still got, you know, visor and whatnot, and you, you can't even go in and have a cup of tea with them no. or whatever, you know. That's right, that's right. And of course, 
we've had to pay for our leaflets to be delivered. The government wouldn't allow anybody to deliver leaflets from political parties. Mm. But the uh, the absurdity of it is that we could actually pay for somebody to deliver them for us. I mean, you know, the COVID virus is that intelligent that it knows that a person's being paid to deliver them and not a volunteer. It is a bit ridiculous. I don't think that's they've put much time and effort into even thinking about that. It more sounds like they've signed the wrong piece of paper. So it's just, yeah, it's a very, very weird thing. But in fact, I kind of want to ask about party politics, because obviously when we interviewed previous, we've spoken a little bit about party politics. Um, Obviously, Richard's an independent, so he had no party there. Why Liberal Democrat for you? Oh gosh, that goes back years. Obviously, I first joined the old. You may, you may, you may have heard it. You may have not. It was a part, a new party that formed in 1981, called the Social Democrat, the SDP. Yeah, that was a party that was put together by, um, mainly by people who had left the Labour Party, like Shirley Williams, mm. uh, Roy Jenkins, Bill Rogers, David Owen, and I joined that party in 1982. Uh, because um, <clears throat> the Conservatives and the Labour Party, in my opinion, were going in the wrong direction. And I, I like the sort of radical centre-left politics that the SDP mm. um, you know, were talking about at the time. And of course, the SDP then merged with the old Liberal Party in 1987, and I stayed with the Liberal Democrats, and I've been a Liberal Democrat ever since. Mm. And they, they just represent my ethos of of what I believe in, mm. really, which is to that everybody is equal under the eyes of the law, uh, that we try and help people better in their lives, make sure they've got the uh, the abilities and the resources to be able to do that. <clears throat> and, you know, uh, and, and that's always been my ethos as a person. So for me, that represents the party that I have been in now since 1982. Mm. It's, it's amazing because... I must admit, when I first watched politics, I, for some reason, and this is no disrespect to you, by the way, I, uh, I really liked the Liberal Democrats, but I didn't, I didn't know why. I think it was because of the first people that I had ever watched. Um, but I want you to clarify, is Liberal Democrats, does it stand for Liberal Democracies? Nice yellow gold colour for start-off. Oh, yeah, I, I like that. That was nice. Yeah, it's... Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, no, no, it's... It, does Liberal Democrats, does that stand for Liberal Democracy? Like, is that what their basis is? Yes. Because yes. I'm a fan of Liberal Democracies. I like liberal that. And social, social Democrats and Liberals joined together. And mm. they were very, very compatible. And it, it, it became quite apparent in 1982 that there was, there was no room for two very similar parties in a, in, in a first-past-the-post system. So it was decided very early on that the two parties would cooperate uh, in virtually in every uh, yeah. aspect until it merged. Right. Uh, yeah. So it, it, it's, it's a bit of a strange uh, history. And if you want to go back even further, of course, the Labour Party at one time split off from the old Liberal Party. So, it, you know, it's happened over the centuries, uh, these mm. sorts of things not happened recently but uh, it may do give it time <laughs> i can't say anna subri's uh, and her 
you know, friends and whoever from other parties did the most amazing job with the independent party for change. But then again, I think for establishing a political party in a time like this, where we've had Brexit, we've got the pandemic, you know, in my opinion, the Conservatives and Labour are at the weakest points in both of their, you know, party's history for a very long time. I don't think Keir Starmer's a, a very good Labour leader. I don't think he's your very typical Labour leader. I don't think he stands for what Labour was created for. And I think Boris Johnson is, I think he won the vote over Brexit. So I think that's my honest opinion on the two. I, and let's be honest, it's very, very, very unlikely that anybody is going to get more uh, seats than Conservatives and Labour. You know, the only people that kind, kind of come close is SNP. So, and I highly doubt that they're going to get any seats in England, Wales or Northern Ireland. So I think that's just dead cert. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, it's yeah. one of those though, isn't it? It's like, it's not a two party system, but it kind of is in terms of if you looked at the votes, like most of them are for the two parties anyway. So, and we've, most of people will just overlook the idea of any other parties other than the SNP in Scotland. Yeah. So, but in terms of, I want to ask a question about a questionable time in uh, the history of the Liberal Democrats. So 2010, Nick Clegg and David Cameron coalition, was it? Yes. Yeah. What did, and I don't want to get too specific here, what did you think about Nick Clegg? Nick Clegg hmm. uh, was and still is a very able person. Hmm. Um, the Where we went wrong and I think it's where the DUP went wrong as well, was actually trusting the Conservative Party. Mm. And uh, uh, the first opportunity, as they did with the DUP over the northern, the border down the middle of the Irish Sea, uh, they stabbed us in the back. And we got all the blame for all the bad things that happened in the coalition, and they came out smelling of roses. Uh, and... But, as is always the case, um, the good things that were introduced, like pupil premium, free school meals for primary school children, which were Liberal Democrat ideas, increasing the amount you had to earn uh, before you were taxed was Liberal Democrat idea. Mm. They, over the years, have taken, um, they've taken the, the plaudits and the credit for that when really they shouldn't be. No. I was going to say, because it's, it wouldn't seem very conservative for them to do that. So, it, you know, there's obviously going to have to have been somebody who has put those things in place. And obviously, as you say, it was Liberal Democrats. But my one question is, is that during that 2010, the, during that coalition, um, which I, I watched probably, I think, 2012, when I started watching politics on my TV when I was very young, um, because it was late at night and I had nothing to do. Um, and I looked at it and I kind of researched it more. And didn't they? Didn't that coalition raise tuition fees for university students? Yeah, which wasn't our policy and something I, I didn't agree with at mm. all. And actually, most Liberal Democrat MPs didn't agree with it either and actually voted against it. Uh, but, of course, the front benches are bound by uh, responsibility, uh, cabinet responsibility. Mm. Uh, they did. But it was a, a big, big mistake. Um, it could have been handled a lot better. Um, I wouldn't say that it's led to masses and masses and masses of debt because very often how 
tuition fees work is actually misinterpreted by those who who have actually got a vested interest in misinterpreting them. Mm. Uh, you don't pay up front. At the moment, my my son's doing a PhD in Canada, and you have to pay your twelve thousand US Canadian dollars up front before you start the course. Wow. Where of course here is that the the government give the uh, the tuition fee to the university on your behalf. And of course, you have to earn a, a, a fairly substantial amount of money before you have to pay a single penny of it back. I mm. think my son will be 27 in uh, May this year. But he hasn't paid a single penny of it back yet because he hasn't had to. But having said that, the whole thing was completely mishandled. Uh, it, it, it could have been done a lot better. We did retain the uh, the the grant for people on the, the you know, economic grant for people from uh, more disadvantaged and economic disadvantaged backgrounds, which as soon as the coalition finished and the Conservatives got in them on their own, they abolished. Mm. You know, managed to keep that. Um, but I, I don't think, in hindsight, it was a good move at all. And I, I was dead against it at the time. I was going to say, because I, I, I'm not with that at all, um, regardless of what party that is. But I, I, I would imagine that that quite badly hurt the reputation of the Liberal Democrats, right? Well, very much so. Yeah, because mm. up to that point, you know, the, the Liberal Democrats had been the first choice for people under the age of 30. Mm. And, and, and that reversed overnight. And, um, and to this day, I... I, I, I still cannot see where those in my party who thought it was a good idea were coming from because even uh, ordinary members, ordinary Liberal Democrat members who weren't cabinet ministers could see that it was going to be a disaster. Mm. Um, so, you know, but, but there you go. Some people sit in ivory towers sometimes and think they know it all and they don't. It's definitely that case. I agree. And I'm... I don't know where I stand party-wise. I have no idea. I think I've been back and forth. I think I've been with every party at one point um, because I just have no clue. I don't. I think it's very hard to be dead set on one party. You know, um, it's not difficult to dislike parties, but it's difficult to stay with one and agree with one one hundred percent of the time. Um, but I, I think Joe Swinson. I want to kind of ask about her as well. Don't you think she was? I don't know. She was a very weak, like a Liberal Democrat leader, wouldn't you say? Oh no! Oh gosh, no! If you do Joe Swinson, you wouldn't say she was she was weak. Do you not think uh, so? No. What what her? Well, it wasn't her problem actually. It was it was some other people's problem. But uh, you know, you started to see things in the papers like she sounds like a school teacher, mm. uh, school mom, headmistress. That was it. Sounds like a and she wears a, a variant, a different coloured variant of the same dress. Well, you would never get away with that, and you wouldn't hear that being said about a man. No. And uh, a voice was a bit shrill. Well, so what? So what? What she wears, the fact she's a woman, and the fact that, and uh, and that she's got a bit of a shrill voice, doesn't make her any less able than anybody else. In fact, the opposite. She, you know. You don't get elected for a seat at the age of 26 hmm. without uh, uh, having something about you. Yeah, 
I'm not discrediting her at all because no, you know no, I respect no. I respect her and I think you know becoming an MP is is extremely difficult uh, because you know there's multiple processes to go through and it is as you say it is what the people want and obviously she had done a good job to get there but I think the problem with it and the reason I would still call her um, weaker is because of the the Brexit thing and this was Jeremy Corbyn's problem this idea of not stating where you stand she did. But yeah. in my opinion, it too much. But also she didn't support democracy. That's not supporting democracy. People have voted to leave, whether we like it or not. She has to respect that. Where the party went wrong, it wasn't just Joe Swinson. It was a party decision. Mm. I didn't particularly agree with it. Is where we said, um, if we win, then we're going to tear the referendum result up. You can't. That that is a. You could not do that. Uh, the best you could say was, okay, we're going to stand back, have a look at this again, and if necessary, we'll have another referendum. Mm. That's that's a that's a position that should have been taken, not that you're just going to rip it up. Because that's uh, not democratic at all. Because it was a general election. You're not just voting on on one issue. You're voting on a plethora of issues. So to base the result of a general election, and to be fair, the Conservatives have done that, to be, to be honest, that the result of the general election was uh, that giving them the, uh, the, the way forward to enter into a disastrous Brexit deal uh, is just not on. And that, again, that was a mistake, but I, I doubt that it was her mistake. Um, I, I think there were some people advising her in the party that were uh, uh, very misguided. Hmm. Well, that's it. That's giving it a new perspective for me because obviously I'm not actually in the party, so I wouldn't know um, what goes on inside. But for me, I felt that would be the weaker, the reason I would call her weaker than, for example, someone like Boris, who I won't comment on because I don't feel that, that I think if I got into party politics, it would be a case of, well, he does some of these things well. I feel like Boris Johnson has ambition and energy, but does he have the actual, you know, ability to execute that? I don't know. This is the problem. You're never going to get someone who's perfect. We have to accept that, but you can you can try. You know, you can you just just research into people, and and the problem as I say, the problem with Jeremy Corbyn was if he had stood and given his opinion on Brexit because he gave virtually nothing on Brexit. You know, um, although Joe Swinson gave a very extreme view on it, and and obviously the party did, Jeremy Cor Corbyn gave basically nothing. So for me, I think Jeremy Corbyn would have won more seats uh, and possibly not lost as many as he did and have the worst, you know, outcome since how long ago was it near the World War or something like that? Since the 30s? You know. There were plenty of people in the party who were upset with his performance on Brexit. I think that's what killed it out. I, I, don't, I don't believe it's because people disliked his manifesto. I didn't dislike his manifesto. I thought it was a good idea. You know, the idea of greener industry isn't a bad thing. You know, it's just whether it can create more jobs. You know, is it sustainable? But the problem was never your manifesto. It was the fact that the Brexit vote, that's all people cared about in that election. And I do feel that is the only reason that the Conservatives won such a huge majority. So the kind of off-party politics, what did you do before becoming a councillor then? Well, I was, uh, I worked right up 
whilst I was a counsellor. So oh, it's, okay. it's, a, it's um, one of those misunderstandings that counsellors get paid money. <laughs> hmm. uh, you know, normal level uh, can do not get paid lots of money to enable them to give up work. But I did, I did actually retire when I was 57 from the Hmm. Uh, since I was 18, straight from school, being a counsellor. Right. Yeah, it's definitely a common misconception because I, I used to think the same. So I, I've been told something new. I'm a bit embarrassed there. But uh, we had a few uh, internet issues there, but I think we're all back online now. Um, oh, yeah. But kind of the last thing I kind of wanted to touch on is um, what are your your plans, if you're allowed to disclose them, um, for the future of Beeston, Northward and Bramkett? Uh, very good uh, question, that. Up and coming, of course, we've got the issue of um, the leisure centres. Yes. Uh, because all of our leisure centres are 50 plus years old, looking and feeling very tired and not user-friendly. Mm. Um, we are working at the moment which will come to fruition where we will completely rebuild the leisure centre at Bracket, for example. Great. Now that won't, you know, that will be a, four years down the line but that decision uh, will come before committees uh, very quick or quite soon. So that's good news. Of course there's the new replacement school for College. Um, again, my son went to Bramcott College, and you know, he when would he have left there? He left there when he was sixteen. It is that's ten years ago. When he was there, bits of the building were falling off. Um, you know, you shouldn't you couldn't shut the windows in the hall, uh, so there was a constant draft, and it was cold all the time. Mm. And that was ten years ago, and here we are, still in the same situation. Uh, they've still not got a replacement school book. That's now uh, going ahead. And I have to say, um, I did put a lot of pressure um, on people to come up with that decision because people were dragging their feet uh, and playing the... Uh, not, uh, not doing the right thing, let's put it like that, <laughs> mm. uh, with regards to the children's school uh, and the local community. And uh, the other thing I want to have a look at as well is on Beeston Fields Park. I, 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 and this is something I've been hankering for for a long time. Is um, instead of having the basketball court there, which very very few people use, what we should have is an outside gym and uh, a, a track all the way around the park, uh, mm. that, so people can either run or walk a circuit. Because at the moment you can just walk to and from across the park you can't go all the way around it unless you go on the grass and sometimes that's really muddy and mm. um, so you know they're just three things that i can pluck out the air uh, okay. two of which very major <laughs> i agree definitely because I, I used to use um bramcut um swimming uh, leisure center sorry with school uh with with just personal lessons as well that i'd have when i was probably about nine or ten when i learned how to swim very late um but so, so that's really, really good news. It's good that we're going to have more investment in 
in NG9 and obviously Bramcut um, and Beast of North Ward. So that's really, really good news. So that's a podcast exclusive for you all there. No, I'm joking. Uh, you won't have to pay extra to hear that. Don't worry, I won't cut off a video there. <laughs> um, but but yeah, that is really, really good news. And I'm really pleased that you know you and your colleagues are doing a really, really good job in the council. So, but yeah. Um, if anybody's got any questions for Steve, by the way, it, maybe you live in Beeston Northward or, or Bramcourt and or maybe you don't, send them in on uh, you know Facebook or Twitter and we will get them to Steve and hopefully we'll do another episode with Steve answering your questions. And uh, if, if there's any other questions you'd like to ask to any of our previous guests, do let me know. So thank you for joining me today. It's been a really good discussion. We've kind of discussed everything from Joe Swinson to Nick Clegg to uh, obviously a bit about you and you know your future plans so i've really really enjoyed talking to you um thank you very much hopefully next time uh, we meet face to face i'll have the opportunity to have a haircut <laughs> yeah i know same here i'm starting to look a little bit well i was going to say harry styles then but i was maybe a bit more like heath ledger in the joker but so <laughs> but you know without the makeup obviously um so but yeah uh, thank you all for listening. That was episode 35 there with Steve Carr. And uh, take a listen, share, you know, follow, do all the, the social media stuff you do. So thank you all very much for listening. Goodbye.